0: Bibles to Matthew chapter 24 tonight. I believe tonight that Jesus is going to speak to you. I'm just a FedEx delivery boy from heaven. Hallelujah. But I have a message that's burning within me and this message is for those that live in the law of liberty. Hallelujah. And I've been studying the scriptures that Extensively since May of this year on a subject called the Mysteries of the Glory. That Paul identifies seven categories of the mysteries of the unknown realm. Hallelujah. That he was made an ambassador of these mysteries. He was made a steward of these mysteries. And many of those ministries, mysteries, of course, is Christ in us, the hope of glory, the mystery of Christ and the church, Or husband and wife, the mystery of um, lawlessness, the mystery of godliness, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of Babylon. There's so many mysteries that come forth in the scriptures, but tonight I want to talk about the mystery of lawlessness. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1. We'll be going through several passages of text tonight. I believe, if anything, if you are new here tonight and you're not familiar with our ministry, um, simply look at us as being messengers, as watchmen on the wall blowing the trumpet, hallelujah, proclaiming what we see is about to happen or is happening in the earth, and look at us as messengers that come to encourage and strengthen glory to God. This message has been followed with that God is speaking with tremendous signs and wonders, tremendous deliverance, tremendous fire. And so let's read this, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1. And before we begin here, I just want you to know that what we're going to read here is in red letters. Hallelujah. And it's not for our eyesight or reading pleasure. It means the King of kings and the Lord of lords is prophesying. Hallelujah. And that we have right now, there's an upstart, there's an updraft, there's a, uh, a fresh move with the prophetic on planet earth right now. Christians are learning how to prophesy. Now, uh, we should have learned how to prophesy when we first got saved because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Hallelujah. People are learning how to flow in the gifts of the Spirit like never before. There's a real emphasis on personal prophecy. Uh, there's an emphasis on people calling themselves prophets. Some of them may really be nonprofit organizations. However, praise God. <laughs> because the Bible says that somebody prophesies, it doesn't come to pass. You shouldn't listen to him, And uh, they should be stoned. Well, thank God we're in the New Testament. Glory to God. People are not necessarily stoned yet, but we need to really understand that when people prophesy that Y2K is going to be tremendous disasters in our society, it doesn't happen. They need to get get up also publicly and write books and repent also publicly for things they said. Amen? And so we're seeing there's a real prophetic move. People come to get words. We're not against that. Um, but hallelujah, I have a word. Amen? Is that get your own Bible, do your own praying, and leave me alone. Hallelujah in one nice way. Amen. We need to learn how to receive from heaven ourselves. And, and as we travel throughout this land, especially Europe, we're seeing a real move of the prophetic. Can you all say amen to that? There is a real move of the prophetic. God is really raising up the apostle and the prophet in this hour. And a lot of people say, well, did you hear this prophetic word? Did you hear about what this person said? Did you hear what this ministry said? And I want to say this, we need to listen to the prophet of all prophets. Hallelujah. And His name is Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen? And so Jesus, the prophet, says this in Matthew 24, in verse 1, And Jesus came out from the temple and was going away with His disciples, came up to Him to point out the temple buildings to Him. And He answered and said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here should be left upon another that should not be torn down. I've been in Israel. I've set at the... The Mount, the, the, excuse me, the foot of the mount of the Temple Mount and seen the huge excavations they've done there and the huge, just megaton uh, uh, stones that were placed by Solomon and Herod that were torn, torn down by the Roman army. In verse 3 it says, he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. The end of the age is a code word. It means the apocalyptic grand finale. When is the day of the Lord going to come? When is this thing, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, Habakkuk, all the prophets that spoke of the coming day of the Lord, when is this thing going to happen? And the first thing that Jesus says is verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. There needs to be an emphasis like never before upon error that's going forth right now deception that's going forth the first thing that jesus said is see to it that no one leads you into error the original greek is a spirit of error and it's this is in the imperative tense which means it's a command the first thing jesus said did not pray in tongues don't do this do this the first thing jesus says is see to it that no one misleads you because in the last days there is going to come an intensity of the spirit of deception upon planet earth. Can you say amen out there? Many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah and will mislead many. That is not something that's happened many years ago or will happen. It is happening right now. If you want to get our book on the back table or after the service, The Gentle Whisper of the Secret Place for those who don't have it, the first chapter outlines uh, our struggle in trying to hear God's voice and eventually hearing His voice and telling us to go to the most significant false messianic person ever in church history, or Jewish history. His name was Rabbi Menachem Schneerson. Uh, Many Jewish people were claiming him to be the Messiah. To this day, they're still praying at his gravesite to raise from the dead. He operated there in Brooklyn, and tremendous signs and wonders of the false origin. He was an anti-Messiah type. He had an anointing. It was an anti-anointing to the truth. Many very smart and wealthy Jewish people, Lubavitch, they call themselves the Kabad or the glory movement. You can hear that? The glory movement. Being to say that this man is the Messiah and the Lord told us to stand in front of his headquarters on <clears throat> in June, whew, man, 1994 already. Wow, six years ago. And to blow the shofar and tragic to say he suffered a major cardiac arrest 60 seconds later and plunged into the depths of eternity And to this day, they're still trying to raise him from the dead. And the Lord spoke to my wife and I. He says, there's two trumpets in Joel chapter 2. The first trumpet is an alarm to my people, the Jewish people. The second trumpet is an alarm to my people that will set themselves aside and go into solemn assemblies and cry out. You came to the seat of rabbinical powers worldwide, blew the shofar. Most of them did not listen. Now I'm asking you to turn the shofar into the church. Wake up, my church. Hallelujah. And the first thing that we need to do is gather together into solemn assemblies. Solemn assemblies is nothing more than extended revival meetings. Hallelujah. As we cry out, he'll respond from heaven, in the early and latter rain. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so we're living in that time right now. There are false messiahs. We need to really wake ourselves up. It is like happening like never before. I don't watch a lot of TV just because God told me not to contaminate my spirit and my soul with the occult that's being just piped through like the devil just vomiting through into our, our society. I like to call it the hell vision And I've noticed the prophetic accuracy and the intensity and my walk with the Lord, hallelujah, and the blessings in our family have so, been so much more amplified by less TV time, less time I interface with our society. Hallelujah. Praise God. And as you start to pull yourself away from those things, God will begin to speak to you loud and clear. And I've noticed, even like never before, there's this, There's this spirit of sorcery and antichrist coming across the TV set like never before. Through entertainment. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, will mislead many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but the end is not yet. Israel, the nation of Israel and the Middle East, is on the verge of a war of attrition that could propel them right into the depths of an Ezekiel war. Dalit sisters are phoning us from Israel, telling us what is happening, what the news is not reporting. Folks, there is high alert right now in Israel. And we need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen? It says in verse 7, For nation shall rise against nation. The original Greek is ethnos, or ethnic group, will rise up against ethnic group. Kingdom against kingdom. In various places will be famines and earthquakes. These are merely the beginning of the birth pains. Meaning this thing hasn't even begun yet. This is just the little tremors. Hallelujah. And I know that we've had five children and my wife says, my water just broke. Or she'll say, it's time. And I say, are you sure? She goes, I'm telling you, it's time. Let's go to the hospital. Call the babysitter. Here we go. And, uh, you know, the baby doesn't come right away. There's a, there's a labor, and I believe we're entering into right now, we're watching the times, Jacob's troubles upon the Jewish people. We're seeing a time of testing upon them. We're seeing a time of t- and in the church that this, this river of God is turning into the very river that's testing the foundations of our homes. The river that we've been splashing in in Liberty is also the same river testing the foundations of sand or rock that our house is built upon. Amen? Hallelujah. And it says here, these are just the beginning of the birth pains. Verse 9, They'll deliver you to tribulation and kill you. You'll be hated by all nations on account of my name. At that time, many will fall away. You may want to write that down or underline that. Many will fall away. It's the idea of apostasy, the idea of backsliding, the idea of falling away, being an apostate, knowing him, but falling away. Many, not some, but many will fall away in that hour and will deliver up one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise And mislead many, same word Jesus said in verse 4, will lead many into error or deceive you. And because lawlessness is increased, or iniquity is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world for a witness to all the ethnic groups, and then the end shall come. I think we've spent so much time on verse 14 trying to get the gospel out that we have sidestepped verse 12. Verse 12 says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Now I've read over that, skimmed over that. I always thought that, that was the Laodicean church. That was religious people. That was unbelievers, whatever. However, the Greek word here for love is agape. There's three types of love in the Greek language. One is eros, or we get the word Erotic. That's not the God kind of love. There's phileo, where we get the word Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Let's be friends. You know, reciprocal action. Then there's the agape, which is the God kind of love. Hallelujah. A word perfectly coined for the Greek language to describe a love that these people have never known in their society. Hallelujah. Whoa! And this is the love that's inside of us. But because there's a centrifuge, there's a mix of such lawlessness and iniquity, Come on, folks. Hallelujah. People's love will start to wane or wax cold. And people, believers, that's talking about us, begin to wax cold and fall away. It does not happen overnight. I have been concerned as we travel, and I think uh, everybody here should be concerned and that we have uh, the, the trail of revival right now is strewn with bodies of people falling away. Ministries are falling away. Uh, my wife and I, we have personal friends and or people we know that are in revival. These are ministers that we have drunk with that are on fire for God at one time. They're now filing for divorce. I know six couples right now filing for divorce. And, I, and these people would be on the carpet just as, as much as you and I. And after a while, we, we, we travel and we begin to come back on the revival circuit to places we've been two years earlier, etc. Or we know people and we say, What's happening? We see a remnant of God rising up. Are you still with me, folks? Hallelujah! We see a remnant people who have that love sick look in their eyes. Hallelujah for Jesus, and it's wonderful. But at the same time, I'm seeing a falling away. There's no more middle ground in this hour. Either you're hot or you're cold. And my heart's concerned because I want to rescue those that are falling off into the into the darkness, falling away from the Lord. I want to grab them, grab them, even hating the garments spotted by the flesh. Hallelujah! I want to rescue them back. Hallelujah! I want to grab a hold of those who who have erred into sin, and we grab them back and, hallelujah, cover a multitude of sins. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen? And go after these prodigal sons and daughters. And I've noticed that the the key epicenter, the key place where I see these people starting to fall away is they have no hatred for sin. There's a nonchalant attitude. Well, I can watch that rated R movie. Well, I can do this. And eventually this stuff starts to catch up with them until they're on a muddy creek bank and they can't get back in out of the river. The river of what, you know, the, the the, the destruction, of the path of destruction that they're on. And so I want to encourage you tonight that because lawlessness is increased, your love will grow cold automatically unless you fight against it. There is an automatic gravitational pull to pull you into the spirit of this age, into the spirit of not being hot for the Lord, and we need he who endures to the end will be saved. Hallelujah. So this is a happy message. Smile tonight. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so I began to think that wow. Jesus, you're really strong here about deception in the last hour. And, you know, from my background and being from uh, just going to different Bible schools and and listening to every preacher I can find and just gleaning from the the truth and the, the ministry gifts in the body, a lot of them talk about, you know, the rapture. They deal more with the rapture and the snatching away than they do with this deception. They deal more with 666, come on, and all these other, you know, extracurricular things that happened in the tribulation period of the last days, rather than dealing with the heart issue. This revival is all about our heart. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And when we see these things begin to happen, we need to lift up your heads, because our redemption draws nigh. Peter, second Peter, the last chapter of second Peter. Second Peter, chapter 3 and verse 17. This is amazing. Now, if you understand that Peter is given the baton of the church. Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father did. Hallelujah. And Peter, upon this revelation, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to know what Peter knows. Amen? And Peter flip-flops around and has to get corrected by uh, by Paul, but later comes back on, on fire for God. and He's writing the last letter. He is transferring that mandate now to a younger generation. Hallelujah. And I love to read what the last things people say rather than what they said in the midlife. Amen? I want to hear the last things. And the last thing Peter says is this, verse 17. Actually, we ought to start in verse 15. In regarding the patience of the Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom God given him, wrote to you in all his letters, speaking of them these things, in which some are hard to understand, what's the untaught and unstable distort... The first distortion I am seeing in this hour, in this revival, is Ezekiel 22. You can write it down. Is that God is upset with the priesthood because there's no distinguishing between the holy and the profane. God says you've polluted my land because the priest does not distinguish between the holy and the profane. And if I go and hang around... Different brothers and sisters, and we have a great time in revival, and wonderful. The joy's kicking in, or the fire's kicking in. And two days later, they invite me over, uh, hallelujah, and I see all types of videos that they, they allow their kids to watch and them to watch. That brings distortion to the truth. And America and Canada is where they are spiritually, not because of the evil, but because of the church distorting the truth. There has to enter in a hatred for evil like never before. Oh! And let's understand the process, what's happening right now. Let's pull ourselves out of this, this synergism that this world is in. Hallelujah. Let's be a separate people. Touch not the unclean. He'll welcome us. Oh, glory to God. As they also do the rest of the Scriptures, their own destruction. Verse 17. The last thing Peter says before he's crucified upside down. The last thing he says. You, therefore, my beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard. whoop. whoop, uh, 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 whoop. It's the imperative. Be on your guard, lest being carried away by the error of unprincipled or lawless men you fall or apostate from your own steadfastness. So we're talking about full-course press here, full-court press here. We're talking about, hallelujah, defense like never before. We've got to be on our guard, allowing things to enter into our families and into our churches, into our relationships. And verse 18 says, but grow in the grace and the intimate knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Peter says this. Turn with me to James, the brother of Jesus. Make a left hand turn, two books. Hallelujah. James chapter 1 and verse 16. James chapter 1 verse 16. James says something else about this. He was a leader of of the Jerusalem church. James 1 and verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing bestowed, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights or the Father of glory, (laughs) with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among His creatures. This is you should know, my beloved brethren. Let everyone be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. Could it be one of the slippery paths in deception is when you talk too much? He's given us two ears and one mouth. Amen? Twice as much listening as we do speaking. Another thing is anger. If you fly off the bat real easy, you've got to listen, folks. Come on. Hallelujah. You're like an unwalled city. You're able to, the devil's able to come in and get a hold of you. You've got to be able to control your spirit. Hallelujah. Whoo, Hallelujah. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness. Verse 21, and the remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude or deceive themselves. We're talking about self deception here. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. Verse 25 is for us that love the liberty. Come on, folks. Hallelujah but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. Hallelujah. Notice that those that are in liberty have a higher standard to walk by. We have been giving much in these meetings. In the last three to four years of revival, Those who have been in revival, learning how to soak, learning how to flow in the liberty of God. Isn't it been wonderful? Hallelujah. The spontaneous worship, amen, it's been wonderful. But at the same time, come streamlined with that, a parallel thing. We have to be very careful not to be self-deceived. Because those who are given much get a bigger spanking, too. Hallelujah. It goes on and says here, verse 26, A man thinks himself to be religious. It is not bridle his own tongue, but deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. You know, um, when my wife and I began to speak, uh, we, of course, there's the joy in the camp. We're excited about all that. But my wife and I began to speak against the things that's, that weaken the fabric of this revival, weaken the wineskin of this revival. We began to speak against sin. We began to speak about things with all of our heart toward people, hallelujah, about sin and these things. And they said, well, don't get religious on us. That's a religious spirit. You've got to be careful. And I said, well... I said to mentors I knew, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm just too much like Pincus or Phineas with a javelin going through the camp. <laughs> but that's just me. I mean, God's, the zeal for his house has consumed me. Hallelujah. And so I kind of backed off a little bit, and the Lord rebuked me. He says, son, do a study on religious spirits. Because religious spirits, you know, we always say that person has a religious spirit when they're not receiving or criticizing revival. But nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus ever rebuke a religious spirit. He only rebukes an unclean spirit. I looked up the word religion in the Bible, and uh, it means a systematic belief system. I agree there is religious spirits, okay? I'm not minimizing that, but I'm saying we can't just say everything's a religious spirit if somebody starts preaching holiness and repentance. It says here, this is the religion I want, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is pure and undefiled religion, verse 27, in the sight of our God and Father, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. I want that religious spirit, folks. Hallelujah. And I began to notice in the revival, people going all out, separating themselves from the world, and I saw others that would still learn how to yield and flow in the revival began to mingle with the world system. And notice, that could be the entry point for a real unclean spirit is when you start to do things you're not supposed to be doing and the Holy Spirit tells you, don't do that. Come on. And you hear the word in church, that's only half the story. You now have to go out there Monday morning and walk it out. And if we don't listen and obey what we've heard, hallelujah, we get self-deceived. And so I begin to hear this stuff, and God begins, is beginning to warn me to share these things and turn with me to 2 Thessalonians, where this same concept of deception is used. And I don't know about you, but my heart's concerned. I love Christians, I love the church. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That was all intro for what I'm going to share with you now. Hallelujah. I begin, and, and of course, you're in a local church setting, you may not see it as much, perhaps you have pastors. Um, But I'm concerned when I see people that were on fire for God, not on fire anymore. I'm concerned when I see people that have great potential for God, they're going to a seeker-sensitive type service or they're going to an evangelical type service because the fire and the heat in the kitchen is too hot for them right now. I'm concerned when I see people on fire for God but suddenly falling away into hideous sin like never before. And so I began to ask the Lord, and I've seen it increase very much. I've seen an an increase in the apostasy in the church. And this is a warning tonight for all of us to hear. It says here in chapter 2, in verse 1, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter from us as to the effect of the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you. Same Greek word that Jesus said. See to it that no one deceives you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. What is the apostasy? It means the falling away. Jesus is not coming back. And let me add this also the Antichrist is not going to be revealed in planet Earth until first there is an apostasy within the church. John six sixty six. John six sixty six says Jesus said, The words I speak to you are spirit and truth. They're life. And from that point, many fell away and refused to follow him anymore. John six six six. Verse four, who opposes and exalts himself above every so called God or object of worship. So that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you I was telling you these, these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he may be revealed. And this is one of the mysteries that we need to fathom tonight, brothers and sisters. Keep your hearts open, okay? If God begins to convict you about certain things, just get it right. Amen? Hallelujah. Just turn the dial in your heart to self-cleaning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It says here, verse 7, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. I don't know about you, but to me... It's, I'm trying to figure out why do people who love Jesus so much and things are going so wonderful, they, why do they are attracted by this mysterious pull, mysterious pull of lawlessness? Why do people I know that I love God being pulled to go home and download pornography so much? Why are husbands and wives at each other's throats so much? Why are kids that seem to be on fire get filtered off into the spirit of this age? Come on. Why is so many things being shaken? Even if you read the Charisma magazine from America, the major ministries are divorced right now. Things are being shaken, folks. We've got to wake up. I have never seen such a plethora of, 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 of falling away among ministers. You know why? Because judgment begins in the house of God first. I pray they, re- they rescue themselves and get back out of it. But it is happening brothers and sisters. They say, well, I need some proof. Just... Hear my heart, okay? I don't want to mention names. I, just, I need to tell you tonight. It is happening right now. And i tell you when it began. i tell you when the mystery of lawlessness was released like never before in our society was when President Clinton stood up and lied about an adulterous relationship. When he suppressed the truth, and you can suppress the truth through litigation and through our court system. When he suppressed the truth, when O.J. Simpson suppressed the truth, come on, folks. When our system allows people to suppress the truth, and then he knew when public favor was around him, he went ahead and confessed it. When he confessed it, it released a spirit of lawlessness in our society. I read a report in the USA Today in an airport terminal that parents are alarmed right now because the last two years there's been such a wave of sexual promiscuity released that the kids are saying, well this is, this is you know, President Clinton did it come on when I saw that on TV when I saw him confess what he did, I started crying in my spirit for our nation, I started crying for the world, you know why? because he is a leader of the free world Suppress the truth. It has released a spirit of lawlessness. It has released a thing where there is no more law. The highest law-abiding citizen becomes lawless. It goes on and says here, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so when he taken out of the way. This is exciting right now. So the 666 is, is the the number for Antichrist is the number for man, right? And before this incarnate uh, uh, Machiavellian type figure who has an anti-anointing arises, there is going to be a falling away. However, he cannot come to power, the Antichrist, until the church is taken out of the way. The Greek word here, he who restrains him, is is a uh, uh, is talking of the Holy Spirit within his bride hallelujah linguistic Krieg of the Greek New Testament brings this out that the pronoun used here is first person it's talking of the Holy Spirit within the church hallelujah is shutting the door on the force of the Antichrist coming, coming to power in this hour somebody shout hallelujah greater is Jesus who is in me than any Antichrist that's in this world hallelujah amen hallelujah because the Holy Spirit here in the earth, operating in the church, we are the salt, we are the light. He cannot come to power in this hour. No! Oh! Glory to God. Any simple student or housewife or any person here can speak, hallelujah, and the Antichrist has to bow his knee and take off. We have authority, hallelujah, over every principality and power. Come on, folks, hallelujah. So there is a restraining force in the earth, which is us, against the Antichrist coming to power right now. However, there's something else God's allowing to happen. Let's read it. Verse 8. That lawless son will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Verse 9. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power, signs, and false wonders. We do not follow signs and wonders. They follow us. Do not look for the fantastic, you know, look for the still small voice. Whew! It says here that it's coming in activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders. We're seeing that before. Like, I'm not talking about people in, in, in India, in, in Hinduism. I'm not talking about people in, in, in third or fourth world nations. I'm talking about right here in our land i know about this land of Canada. I'm talking about a friend of mine. I've shared this before. Some people have not heard it, but you need to hear it. A friend of mine told me uh, he used to be an actor on the X-Files that for uh, several years was the most popular TV series ever on planet Earth. It's a science fiction film. And uh, he's a good friend of ours. He was an actor. And he told me one night after a service, he said, Scott, don't stop what you're preaching. Don't stop what you're preaching. And I said, why? He says, let me tell you something. I have firsthand... Experience of being on the set, on the X-Files. And he says the different actors, it was perfect lighting there in Vancouver, and we were trying to get things going, and the actor kept on missing his part. Everybody was frustrated, everybody was hot, trying to get, get this thing over with. The actor's going, come on, come on, let's get this thing going. try it again. And the actor, who said he did it many times, stopped and began to call on a demon spirit by name. He began to call, going to this meditation type thing, calling on this demon spirit, and told me that the entire set flooded with a mocking laughter anointing. He did not understand it until later he got saved. He says there was this, this anti-anointing came in where everybody began to laugh, all the camera crew, all the sound crew, all the audio crew. Everybody began to laugh and mock, slap-happy type laughter, And he says, the rest of the day we flowed in a flow. And he let her recognize it was an anti-anointing. And that is what's being piped into, into the living rooms of our society. In the same way the anointing of God breaks bonds, the anointing of the evil one binds people up kids can't sleep at night because their parents let them watch this garbage. Spirits. Ritalin is not the key. Kids are drugged out on Ritalin, one molecule away from cocaine. Because our society doesn't know how to deal with this stuff. Science fiction is, is a camouflaged attempt of the Antichrist to desensitize our culture for a visitation of alien spirits. If you watch a lot of science fiction, don't say, I didn't warn you. We really have seen nothing yet what's about to come out. It's not about E.T. and I Dream of Genie and all these little things that we watched when we were growing up and all this simple, you know, the false kingdom, the magic kingdom, and all these things. These were just little fates along the road, you know, just to go up until people's resistance level to try to contact this dark realm. Now it's full-blown. Come on, folks. It is full-blown like never before. It's going to even get worse. Until eventually... People will think they're aliens coming. It's not. It's the spirit of the false prophet and the antichrist. That's our society is being prepped for desire to recontact the fallen realm. Verse ten says, "All the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth to be saved." Okay, let's stop right here. Let me just help you. This activity of the Antichrist cannot come to full fruition. The signs and lying wonders because the church is still here. Okay? However, there is something else that God's releasing that has nothing to do with the devil. Let's read it. In verse 11, For this reason God will send upon them a deluding influence. They may believe what is false. Now, I began to study this, and I said, oh, no, Lord. And hear my cry in my heart. I said, Lord, it hasn't begun, has it? He says, it's begun. I can count from, from the beginning of this year the amount of apostasy I've never seen before within believers and friends that we have. Same time, a great revival and awakening, but at the same time, an apostasy. There seems to be, and I am just a a, a, a simple Jewish messenger to you tonight. I am telling you by the Spirit of God, and you say, "Well, well, you know, why should we believe what we're saying? Well, I'm just saying I have more faith in what's happening in this message I'm preaching to you than even, I have a stronger witness in my heart than the witness God's given us to go build a shofar at all these places that you can read about and people know about. When that still small voice comes, and God tells us to build a shofar, and things happen. It's awesome. Hallelujah. But I don't have a still small voice on this. I have a shout inside. I have a scream. I have an alarm inside my spirit. And God's saying, tell my people. Get ready. Tell my people. Tell my people. There's waves and waves of this force coming across the channel, so to speak. And you can't pick it up on your radar yet. It's coming. You sense that things are different right now. Something's going on. This river of of water is turning to a river of fire now. Hallelujah. Holiness and repentance. You say, what is next in this revival? Let me tell you something. Folks, you've got to get up. Like we read about we sing about today, about, excuse me, tonight, we need to get under his shadow of a place and, and he'll protect us from those arrows that are being launched at us. There's arrows being launched right now at you, the army of God. And it says here that God will sin, not the devil. We've got to separate the two activities here. There's an activity of error from the Antichrist, right? It's false signs and wonders. But there's over here, there's an activity that God sends. Now, the word here, delusion, the original Greek is an activity of error. In the Greek, it's the word energeia. Energeia, when I read this, I said, oh no, this is scary. Energeia was used of, uh, in the Greek language of the superhuman powers of Greek gods that mortal men could not fight against meaning that God, not the devil, before all this stuff starts to eclipse, is going to sin first of all upon His church and then the world. He is going to send an activity of error, a superhuman power that you and I cannot resist. And the only way... To sidestep this thing and miss this plumb line falling is the verse before it, to love the truth. That's it right there. What do you mean by loving the truth? Yes, we have a love for the Word of God. But I'm talking about being brutally honest with yourself, brutally honest with one another, come on, and brutally honest with God. If you do not get totally honest and truthful about your heart and about your life and about the activity that you do, you have the possibility of getting caught up within the whirlwind of this inner Gaia that you will not be able to resist after it happens. And this is the initiation of the apostasy. The devil is not initiating it. God is. You still love me? I love you. Hallelujah. And I searched this out and I've presented this to other people that I consider to be, so to speak, pillars in the church, and they agree and they're preaching the same thing now. Hallelujah. We're picking it up in our spirit. There is a superhuman inner Gaia, an activity of error, that God is first sitting upon His church to separate the Sauls from the Davids. You see, I need more scripture on that. God's a good God. You better believe He's a good God. Come and Peter Romans 1. Romans chapter 1, in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous men, who do what? Suppress the truth. Verse 24, Therefore God gave them over to the lust of their heart. You wonder why so many sodomites are coming out of the closet? I guarantee you why. Because God's giving them over to it. God's giving them over to it. Verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them over. Not the devil. God gave them over. You say, well, who, you know, were homosexuals? Are they born that way or is it a spirit? It's definitely a spirit. But it's definitely the work of God also. God gave them a spirit of error to dishonor themselves among one another. It's not a genetic thing. It's a spiritual thing. Think about it. Turn with me to First Kings 22. These are scriptures that it's very hard for some people to reconcile. They say He's a good God. He is a good God. You say, well, how can you reconcile some of these things that God does? Well, I think we can understand it now. Amen? These are scriptures that I... I, I I used to gloss over. I used to be a major in the, in the goodness of God. Hallelujah. I thank God for it. Amen. But I can't hold back talking about His other side. Behold the goodness and the severity of God. 1 Kings. Let's actually begin in chapter 21. And verse 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying Arise. Woo! Arise. Hallelujah. Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth where he has gone down to take possession of it. Ahab did. He was so demented, he called for a fast and had two worthless men sent next to this owner of this vineyard and took him out and killed him. And Elijah got a word from God saying, Go down to Ahab. Go down to this murderer. And it says, of course, he's talking about verse 19. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and taken possession? You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs lift up the blood of Naboth, the dogs shall lick up your blood, even yours. And Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? Folks, this is an anointed man of God. The prophet, priest, and king were anointed by God. He was anointed for this office. That's what the mystery is all about. How can people who have an anointing still operate like that? Come on, folks. That's part of the mystery of lawlessness that's being revealed right now. How can people who have an anointing, come on, hallelujah. Every minister here can testify what I'm saying. You can preach in an anointing, hallelujah, you can minister anointing, but when you go home, you've got to buffet your body also. Come on. And we've all operated in anointings at times, and we knew inside that we were being hypocrites too. Come on. And in verse 27, And it came about when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted, and he lay in the sackcloth, and went about despondently. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah Tishbite. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me. I'll not bring evil in his days, but I'll bring it upon evil upon his house in his son's days. Thank God for the mercy of God. Amen? But then Ahab got this desire to go to war to push back the northern Syrian army called the Ar- Aram. And turn with me to verse 7. And so Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah, contemporary of the king of Israel, Ahab, listen very carefully, verse 7. Jehoshaphat said, Is there yet a, not yet a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So before Israel would go to war, they would inquire of the prophets as they did throughout their history. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. <laughs> Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. He is Micaiah, the son of Imala. But Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Quickly bring him. And so he came. And verse 14, but Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what well, the Lord says to me, that will I speak. When he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered, Go up and succeed, and the Lord will give you into the hand of the king. Then the king said to him, How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? This king was so deceived, he didn't even know what the truth was. And it talks about here, verse 17, So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep with having no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will go down and entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said, This one, and this one said another. then Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, How? And he said, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit. He said, we just read James 1. There's no shadow of turning in God. Behold, every good and perfect gift. This is what we call the mystery of lawlessness. I don't understand the mystery of iniquity. We see bits and pieces of it. But God actually sends a spirit, a deceiving spirit, to lie out of the mouth of Holy Ghost prophets, to tell them to do something. Verse 23. Now therefore behold the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all these prophets, and the Lord has proclaimed disaster against you. Very interesting, isn't it? We don't have the time tonight, but it talks about in First Samuel and other chapters about that David, that he would go and play the harp, because a deceiving spirit from God came upon Saul. And there's a teaching that's been filtrated throughout the church the last twenty years that it says, that where God says, I'll not allow these things to happen to you. Uh, there's no causative verb in the Hebrew. It says, I will put these on you. I will put this on you. They say, Well, God, will God, you know, his disobedience allowed this evil spirit to come. Wait, 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 wait. The Bible is very clear. The Bible says God sent a deceiving spirit upon Saul. Why? To separate Saul's self serving anointing that he had for his own kingdom. To separate it and to raise up David, a man after his own heart. Meaning God initiated the falling away of Saul. To raise up the next generation. Could it be we're living in an hour right now that the plumb line is dropping and there's tremendous anointings, tremendous services we're experiencing. God is dropping a plumb line to separate the Sauls from the Davids from those who have their own agenda and and own kingdom building and those that want to build God's kingdom God after God's own heart. Isaiah chapter 6, we don't have time to read it. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. The angel came with a tongue, right? Cleansed his lips, right? And the Lord said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. He said, I'm going to send you to a great Holy Ghost ministry, signs and wonders. No, he didn't say that. He said, I'm sending you and and I want you to preach a word that they won't understand, that their eyes become darkened, their hearts become dull, their ears they can't hear lest they turn and repent. Matthew 13, Jesus said, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to those I speak in parables, that the words of Isaiah may be fulfilled, go to this people. Jesus spoke in parables, not as a cute literary genre of ancient Israel. He spoke in parables purposely to confuse the proud and and those that would not enter in, so the simple could enter in. Could it be that we're calling God? God send the glory, and God's purpose for sending the glory is to separate, initiate a falling away, and a rising up. Come on, folks! Hallelujah! And so I started studying this, and so going, "Oh no, it's happening! It's happening! I can see it! It's happening!" Turn with me back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's now see how we can get out of this mess and sidestep what God's doing right now and not be a part of that group. Amen? Be a wise virgin. Amen? Chapter 2 and verse 10 says, They did not receive the love of the truth to be saved. The love of the truth to be saved. I want you to hear, I love you guys. Hallelujah. We feel connected with you and all that God's doing with you guys. And I must share this very deep from the very, very marrow of my being. I can feel it so deep inside. We must become totally honest with one another. Totally honest with ourselves and totally honest with God in this hour. If not, we could be self-deceived and begin a downward spiral in apostasy. Timothy, 2 Timothy, as I began to study the idea of truth and honesty, I found something out that really shook me up, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, please turn with me, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who is the judge, of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. the time will come, they'll not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate to themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. I heard the Lord speak to me very clearly. He said, son, you're very close to this. Lord, we're doing thousands of revival meetings, three to four hundred a year, I mean, we're, we're in church more than we sleep sometimes. And he said this to me. Look at this back here, verse 2. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Let's dissect this real quick. The word of God, two-thirds is for correction, only one-third for edification. The word of God is for rebuke, for correction, and then edification. The word edification there is where we get the word parakletos or comforter. So, only one third of the scriptures is for our own comfort. Two thirds is for correction. And the Lord began to share with me He said, Son, unless you have somebody that could point their bony finger into your heart and say, You're the man or you're doing this wrong, you have the ability to turn into error. He said, Examine your Christian video preaching library and all your worship tapes and all your books. How much is there for correction and how much is there for edification? You got me, Lord. You got me on that one. 99.90% of the stuff I listen to and the stuff I read is for my own personal edification. I have very little information that rebukes me. And unless I have that check and balance in my life, I could fall into deception and then begin to accumulate to myself teachers in accordance to what I want to hear. He knows what I need to hear. Give you an example. If I gave my little girl, uh, we got three of them. Okay, we'll give one, Ronit. She's the youngest. If I gave her my platinum credit card and dropped her off at Toys R Us, to her, she'd go buy $5,000 with the gummy bears. I know her when She needs vegetables to live on. Come on, Hallelujah! In the same way, we can gather to ourselves prosperity teachers and the hyper grace message. Thank God for the grace of God. Come on, Amen. And if we don't allow ourselves to be surrounded with people who can speak into our lives, come on. That's why so many ministers have fallen because they don't have a check and balance. I thank God I got a great balance. My wife, Hallelujah. I can't get by with any bad thoughts. So she's got she's right there on me, Hallelujah. Amen? I've got a board, hallelujah, that can speak into my life. Hallelujah. I've got ministers, I'm in a relationship that can speak into my life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, sometimes, you know, there's one proverb that says, from, from the Orient, that says, what you do speaks so loud I can't hear what you're saying. Meaning, okay, people can walk in anointing and gifts and signs and wonders. Great, that used to attract me a lot. What attracts me now is, I want to see how they treat their wife. I'm going to see if they're able to work things. I'm going to see what kind of videos they watch at home. Because it's about character right now. It's not, come on, folks, amen. It's about fruit. Not, not, it's not about gifting. And I've mentioned th- things to you about, you know, revival, people that preach liberty. And I go to their house and I see, you know, I see thousands of rated R videos Folks, I am not kidding to you. If I told you some of the things that I know what goes on in the inner circle, you'd be totally shocked. You say, "Well, Scott, preach it harder, then Hallelujah." I don't let those folks lay hands on me. I don't want their anointing. I don't want the anointing that Samson had. Your Bible says that you know, bad company corrupts good morals. You got to be really careful in this hour. You need to also put yourself in a position where people can speak into you. Amen? The Holy Ghost is a true sermon this hour. I said, okay, Lord, you got me. So we've been really excited about getting corrected and all these wonderful things. Hallelujah. Turn with me to John tonight as we switch into third gear. John chapter 4. Whoa, whoa. Now there's a mandate on us right now. the Spirit of God spoke to me and says, the next wave of churches will not be called word of faith, but to be called word of truth." I repeat that he says, the next wave of churches will not be word of faith, they'll be word of truth glory to God it says in Timothy chapter 2 chapter 3 first Timothy don't turn there I'll just record it to you it says the church is the pillar and support of the truth it's not the building it's us is there truth out there in the politics of Canada is there truth <laughs> is there truth out there in the corporate world where is this the sebastian of truth us. Hallelujah. We've misplaced the power of truth. We can walk in an element of truth and honesty that people fall under conviction out there. There's going to come an awakening of truth and honesty in our society where people start falling down and going, you know, I've I, I got to go and confess that robbery I did 10 years ago. Come on. I've got to go search out my wife and find out where my kids are and pay back all that, that you know, back uh, um, alimony payments I haven't been paying. Come on. I need to go to that person and tell them that they rubbed me wrong. I've had this against them. I need to repent to them. Come on, folks. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the awakening we're looking for. Oh! And the Lord spoke to me that He is looking for in John chapter 4. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Verse 23. An hour is coming and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, many of us have probably come out of evangelical backgrounds and where we sang a lot of unbelieving hymns, you know. And so we say, okay, we're worshiping in spirit and truth now. We're putting a lot of scripture into our songs now. Well, that's part of it. But let's try to, because the truth, can we get used to that word? Let's say this word. The Father is looking for those to worship Him in the windward ways, hallelujah, whew, hallelujah, and in total honesty. We are learning how to worship God in spirit and truth. I love coming to to these services with these guys and the churches that come together and the musicians the Levites that God's raising up here. I love it. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next level now. The next level of worship is going to be spirit, which we're learning how to do, and truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those are the three doors into the tabernacle. He's the way into the outer court. He's the truth into the holy place, and he's the life, the resurrection power of the Holy of Holies. Glory to God. Woo! He wants us to worship Him in spirit and in honesty. You know what it says in Psalms? David says, you desire us truth in the inward parts. Righteousness in and truth is the foundation of your throne. You know that your spirit tonight is lapping this up like a man that has not drinking for ten, ten weeks in the desert? I can feel it. Your spirits are lapping up truth. Our spirit desires truth. Our spirits are thirsty for truth because there's so much half-truth and so much, you know, everything from advertising to everything out there. There's so where our spirits are pelted so much with half-truths and lies. Don't you feel your spirit vexed when you watch the election process in this country and other, in our country in America? Our spirits are vexed by the lawlessness, by the, the half-truths, the lies, the spin doctors. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Whew. Look at Luke chapter 4 now. As you turn to Luke chapter 4, let me explain to you that his name is mentioned more times in the Gospel of John not the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of, he's the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, but John's references mainly call him the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. Ooh, hallelujah. Don't you know what, what truth is when you go shopping and look at the price tag and say, I want to know the truth on this. is this retail or is this just above your cost come on hallelujah come on don't, don't, amen I, t- I believe we can walk in the spirit of truth so much that we can get wholesale prices oh glory to god because we're the sebastian we're the safety deposit box of his truth in earth that's why this message comes to us first now luke chapter 4 and verse 14 jesus returned to galilee in the power of the spirit and news spread about him throughout all the surrounding districts. Notice there was no advertising budget there. I'll repeat: there was no advertising budget there. Hallelujah! <laughs> news spread. Hallelujah! And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Notice the word "praised." He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. It was his custom; he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened this book. which well, was actually no book; name. It was a scroll. The scroll. He unscrolled the scroll. And found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are downtrodden. To proclaim the year of jubilee. Hallelujah. We have emphasized the anointing so much but the anointing is only quoted in one place in the Old Testament it breaks the yoke. However, Jesus said in John 8, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall liberate you or set you free. As we make the slight adjustments in our heart to be totally honest with Him, with ourselves, and with one another, totally, brutally honest, we're going to see a wave of of Oh, hallelujah. A wave of setting the capitalist free like we've never seen before. Oh, come on, folks. Come on, hallelujah. We're first starting to step into this. I'm starting to see it now. Hallelujah. Well, there's, a, there's, a, there's this zeal for his house, and we have a hatred for wicked, wickedness and a love for righteousness, and he baptized us in the oil of joy. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. And now we just want to be truthful about everything. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And it's, it's awesome as we fathom our hearts and, and be honest about the speed limit and everything. Hallelujah. In Georgia, we had those drive-through toll areas where you could buy a little uh, uh, LCD uh, magnetic thing you put on your windshield and you just drive right through, you know. You don't pay the 50-cent toll, you know. It's express lane, you know. And we drove through on the way to the airport to come here, and the green light didn't go off. And we went through You here ding ding, know ding, ding, ring behind us. They're you know, flashing our license plate with their video camera, you know. And I said, honey, as soon as you... As soon as Thanksgiving is over, call them on Monday morning and just tell them that our thing's not working. Where most people would drive through back and forth until they send me the bill. Come on now, come on, hallelujah. The Bible says provide all things on us in the sight of men. I love to obey the speed limit, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I pray every time you go over to speed limit. Now, I know there's, there's times that we don't notice we're going to speed limit. I put in a good praise tape, you know, and I can't stop praising his name. Oh, I better slow this thing down. Slow this puppy down. Woo. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about doing things, you know, when it goes off inside. Eh, eh, don't do that. Don't suppress the truth. If we're faithful and little, he'll make us in charge of all of his possessions. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh. And so notice here that it's we need to emphasize the truth sets us free, not just the anointing. Amen. Come on, folks. Come on. Hallelujah. Now, verse twenty, he closed the book or the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and eyes of all the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say that today the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. And they all were speaking well of him. (laughs) Wondering at the gracious words that were falling from his lips, saying, Isn't this Yosef's son? Ben Shalim. Just picture the good Jewish mamas there. Come on. It's a small community. They know the story about the wise men coming. They know the story of what happened to Herod and all the babies being killed and them having to flee to Egypt. Come on, folks. They know the story of, Well, why this boy doesn't cuss, why he doesn't fight. Come on. They know about him when he delivered the, the, you know, the, 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 their table, hallelujah, that he refinished for him. Come on, folks. This is Joseph's boy.
1: So wonderful.
0: He's such a mitch. Come on. And he said to them, no doubt you'll quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard done at Capernaum, do here in, in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, truly, 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 no prophet is welcome in his own hometown. But I say to you in truth. There are many widows in Elijah in the days of... In in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath and the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. There were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet. None of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And all in the synagogue were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with... With rage, when they heard these things, they took him out to the brow of the cliff. That cliff where they put him out to, you could see it from Dalit's window when she was a girl, raised up. There it's right across from the view of their porch. That very cliff where they tried to throw Jesus off. Here's Joseph's boys. Ah, kill him. Why? He spoke the truth. You say, well, what's so hard about that word? I mean, that, that's back, you know. 400, 500 years ago about Elijah and Elisha. Why, why did they get so mad? Well, let's open it up a little better and let's understand what Jesus was really saying. Because Paul says, if I become your enemy, must I tell you the truth? It says here that there are many widows in verse 25 in the days of Elijah when there's a famine of the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, only to Zarephath, the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Okay, Zarephath, Sidon, is the Lebanese coastline, Okay. Sidon is where Jezebel's hometown is. Who was Elijah's biggest enemy? What did Jezebel do to the nation of Israel? Brought them into Baal worship, right? Right? The famine came on the land. People were dying. Horrible conditions were happening. Babies were starving to death. Yet God sends a prophet, and the only one he sends a prophet to to is the lineage or the people that live in the very homeland of Jezebel to feed them and not feed his own people. God sent the miracle of provision and raised the widow's son from the dead for the purpose that they could continue infiltrating Baal worship into God's people. Come on, folks. Don't look at me like that. Come on. God fed their enemies and not them. Because they had backslidden so far into spiritual adultery that God says, that's it. We need to wipe them out. I need to bring destruction upon these people and eventually I'll come back and revisit them. So God sends a prophet not to his hometown, not to the people that God had made covenant with, but but they've, they've committed adultery spiritually. He's been sent to the very homeland of Jezebel. And these people were so self-righteous against Jezebel, they didn't recognize that God allowed this Baal worship to be infiltrated into the land because there was such spiritual adultery. Look at the next verse. It's even crazier. Verse 27, There were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet, but none of them were cleansed but Naaman the Syrian. Who was Naaman the Syrian? Naaman the Syrian was the general of the army that later came in and destroyed the ten tribes' capital, Samaria. Samaria. Israel had backslidden so much. The ten tribes were worshiping at Dan and Bethel in these ungodly places and weren't going to Jerusalem. You don't know about Samaria, okay? When Amos and Hosea, these guys are sent to prophesy against those places. These are contemporaries of Elisha. God says, that's it. These people have backslidden so far and have have turned into adulterers so bad. That the only way I can deliver them is to destroy them and send them off into captivity. And I'll purge them in captivity. They'll come back humbly back to Israel. I pray, folks, it doesn't happen to Canada and America. Listen, folks. We can't be in a a sleazy grace delusion. Our countries are spiraling out of control. The vote shows it. Unless we have an awakening, we're going the same course as these other empires. Somebody's got to wake up. Hallelujah. Go against the grain. Hallelujah. That's what we're doing. Naaman the Syrian is the strategic general that's in charge of the Syrian forces that came down and destroyed Israel's capital. Elisha was only sent to heal one man. He was sent to heal the very man that was going to holocaust God's people. That's why they wanted to kill Jesus. You know what the Syrians would do to the Jewish people? The Syrians were the worst human rights you could ever imagine in history. I'm talking about, folks, they did things to their prisoners and their captives. The type of torture that they did, they purposely did it to bring fear so other people wouldn't rebel against their lordship over their lands. Nebuchadnezzar was much nicer. He would take the people to Babylon and still let them stay back as the simple people and, and do the vineyards. But the Syrians came in, they totally took all of Israel and threw them throughout the nations. All the diaspora, people, my background, from Russian, German, Jewish background, that diaspora, the ten tribes up into Europe, came because Naaman, a Syrian, did it. You understand, folks, what I'm saying? No wonder the people got so mad. Oh, let's use it in Modern imagine God healing hisbollah terrorist to bring Israel to their knees atrocities you understand that's why Jesus wanted it, was they tried to kill him it's amazing what the truth will do to people Turn with me to John. Chapter 14. Glory to God. Unless we have a total abandonment of love, of truth, and honesty, we will hate the truth. I know the truth hurts when you get inflamed because somebody says something to you or about you, pull back and look in the mirror and say, okay, wait a minute. Is there any truth in this? If somebody gets in your face and say, listen, you know, you're doing this. Listen. Just don't get up and go to the next church. Come on, folks. The purpose of the fivefold ministry gifts, the Bible says, is for the equipping of the saints. As we read this morning, the Greek word for equipping is setting of a broken bone. You don't get up there and punch out the physician or the orthopedic specialist because he's resetting a bone that's been broken. Come on. What you do is they take anesthetic and let him do it. Come on. Hallelujah. And if you know you have character flaws, that you fall into sin easy, you have these problems, submit yourself, hallelujah, to people that can reset that bone in your life. Hallelujah. And don't get mad at them if things get hairy and kind of ugly every once in a while. Okay? Oh, thank you for your enthusiasm tonight, folks. Hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> now, when we come over these speed bumps of character testing, we can get to the place, hallelujah, that we'll hear. Whew, hallelujah. Turn with me to John 14 and verse 16. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper that may be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. chapter 15 verse 26 when the helper comes who I'll send to you that is the spirit of truth look at verse verse 7 of chapter 16 verse 7 I tell you the truth it is your advantage I go away for I do not go away the helper shall not come to you but if I go I'll send him to you and when he comes he'll convict the world concerning sin righteousness and judgment glory You didn't understand why I said this morning that seeker-sensitive services are birthed out of the spirit of hell? This is not a seeker-sensitive ministry the Spirit of God does. Come on, folks. We need to be Holy Spirit-sensitive, not seeker-sensitive. The best way to probably love somebody is to offend them sometimes. Hallelujah. Open rebuke is better than silent love. Amen. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It says here in verse 13, But he, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will disclose to you what is to come. Glory to God. Every area of life. How about the stock market? Hallelujah. He'll show you what to invest in. Some penny stock. Hallelujah. That 10 years from now could be Microsoft. Oh, mahatai. Amen? Oh, the potential is incredible. If we'll just go ahead and go through it, shikama yeki Look at John, chapter 18 and verse 37. Hallelujah. This is exciting, isn't it? I'm telling you, this next revival is a revival of truth. Or this next wave is an awakening of truth. That's what happened in Finney's days. The people fell down and bawled and wept and groaned in the streets. In a 50-mile radius around certain cities, people would come on horseback and feel the conviction of God. Truth, that's the Spirit of God. He comes not to comfort only. He comes to convict the world of truth. Anybody get convicted today? Hallelujah. <laughs> And that's what the enemy wants to do. Take the, take the teeth out of the gospel message. Stroke everybody the right way. We have a growing church. Yeah, Our church, we're in our second building program. Oh, look at the offerings. Nickels and noses. Everything's great. It's not church growth. Give me a break. Verse 37. Pilate said to him, verse 37, chapter 18. You say correctly that I am king, for this I have been born, and this I have come into the world, to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Look at 1 John with me. Turn with me to 1 John. Or if you just want to sit back and marinate and buy the tape, I'll read it to you. It's a joy to feed you filet mignon tonight. Hallelujah. 1 John Ver, uh, chapter 2 and verse 18 children it is the last hour just as you heard that the antichrist is coming even now minty and the anointed ones any, have risen this we know it's the last hour if it's the last hour back then how much more today they went out from us but they were not really of us for they had been of us they would not have remained with they would have remained with us they went out in order it might be shown that they were not all of us but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you know it because there's no lie as of the truth. The purpose of the anointing, the auction within us, is to identify truth and dishonesty. Not to give us goosebumps only. It says here in chapter 4 in verse 1 about testing the spirits. See folks, listen very carefully to me. And I wish I could pray that you hear me. Whoop, whoop. I mean, we preached this message in, uh, at, at Wall Street. Glory to God in New Jersey. And uh, uh, two months ago, and, and I told you yesterday, was it yesterday or Monday night? I, whatever it was, Sunday night. Hallelujah. I gave the testimony of what happened. You know, we need to get another book go another sequel to Gentle Whisper to Secret Place. There's so much happening. Hallelujah. But what's so interesting about this whole thing, and we've been walking this truth, and we went up to this brokerage firm, these Jewish guys I've been witnessing to, and, I, and the, he wasn't there, but he knew I was coming. He got scared. And so we, God had called us to go build the shofar at Wall Street again. And right after we blew the shofar, the Dow Jones had the l- fifth largest drop in history. And the terrorist bomb exploded, and America being to get shaken and pulled into a conflict right now. Let me tell you, folks, it's not the end yet. It's just the beginning of the wars and rumors of wars. But I'm trying to say that it seems to be when the shofar is blown under this anointing, it initiates the plan of God in regions and cities it's really amazing. I am I am blown away by what goes on. I'm serious, folks. I, I like it. But it's fun. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but I'm scared, too. <laughs> the intensity of it coming forth. And it's not because I've just been soaking. It's because I've been walking in truth now. Oh, truth about taxes, folks. Hallelujah. Praise God. Revenue Canada is coming up. Another time to pay my taxes not try to get creative and hide it from them. Praise God. So we're in this brokerage firm, and the secretary comes to me and tells me that the Jewish guy's not there, and and I just look at her, you know, and she starts weeping. She starts breaking an uncontrollable weeping in front of all the brokers on the floor. And she goes, I'm a backslidden Christian. I've been backslidden for seven years. I'm going to come home to God now. I said, praise God, hallelujah. So we start praying for her, and you'd feel the fire of God falling, hallelujah. And then this other guy, he's a Jewish broker, stands up and goes, I'll take some of that. I'm open for that. Praise God, hallelujah. And it, So we lead him to the Lord, okay? And so as we're walking now, I am noticing, you know how you used to witness and give tracts to people and they say, oh, yeah, I don't. Ever since May, we've been in this message of truth and honesty. It's so like I have wide open doors to witness now, and it seems to be God. It's divine appointments, and people get really convicted and cry, and excited. Hallelujah! Or they run away on the way out here. Hallelujah! Glory to God. So I, I you know, I have a lot of air mileage. So whenever I travel, they can bump me up to first class if there's room, you know, without paying extra money, okay? So I call the thing, and I, you know, I obey the rules. You call at 12 o'clock p.m. the morning before you fly, and they can bump you up. So I called, and the guy says, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, the computers do it all now. And I knew he was lying to me. I knew this guy could do it. Just enter it in. You can give me this seat. So I just sat there and started releasing truth out of my belly. Just he goes, well, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> so I so when I sat on the plane, guess who I sat next to? The Bishop of the Mormon Church in Houston, Texas. He goes, what do you do for a living? I go, glory to God. Here we go. <laughs> and he had a little baby on his lap. He was coming back from, you know, Thanksgiving dinner with his parents. And uh, he's a lawyer and all these things and a bishop and whatever. You know, one of the bishops there. And, he, and I'm witnessing him. He's like going, man, I wish I didn't sit here. I want to get out of here. Easy. But it was interesting. The baby next to him was going, <laughs> smiling and laughing at me the whole time. Her spirit was receiving truth. Hallelujah. You know, and I had to let up a little bit. and well, Let's talk about the election now, you know. But I felt sorry for him. The Lord says, no, go back to that subject. Get the glory on him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why are you all excited about that? Why aren't you excited about the word more? They would get excited about testimonies. what about the word? Come on, folks. Let's get excited. Great. It's spanking time tonight. Hallelujah. My little boy Gideon once when he was little, you know, he pulled Deborah's hair. And I came up from the store and he goes, Abba, go ahead and give it to me now. What are you talking about? He goes, no. I did something bad. Go ahead. I'm ready. I said, wait. Well, I pulled Deborah's hair and I'm sorry. Go ahead and give it to me. So I just gave him a little tap, you know. Now if I would have heard about it, and he was hiding in his room, you know, playing with his model airplanes, and I found out about it. Oh, he would have got a bigger tap, you know. But because he first came to me, I get a little tap. So he first go to him, Hallelujah. He gives us a little tap, Hallelujah. Come on. Don't you want Abba to go? There's my boy. There's my daughters down there in Calgary. Hey, Gabriel, go get them what they want. I love to hear my children when they walk in the truth. Hallelujah. There's so many testimonies to share. I haven't seen you guys win since May, April, when I see you. Okay. Now, beloved, do not believe every spirit, verse 1, but test the spirits are from God. Now, look at this, verse 6. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. God is going to whittle down negative church growth before the real church growth comes. God is bringing a spirit of error to initiate apostasy because he knows what's in men's hearts. He's righteous. I know we gotta, it's, it's hard for us to see people fall, but God knows what's in their hearts. God knows the Judas's. Come on. God knows who's the five wise and who's the five foolish. All I can say, if you want to walk in the truth, hallelujah, he will lead you and guide you and you'll misstep. You'll get away, excuse me, you'll step aside, you'll sidestep. The spirit of error that's being released. It must be initiated. Do you understand that? The apostasy must come first and it has begun now. I am, I am I'm amazed how swift it's been happening too. How so swift. Look here in Second John chapter 1, verse 4. I was very glad to some of your children walking in the truth. Who? go to it, go. Oh! 3 John, verse 8. Therefore, we ought to support such men who may be fellow workers of the truth. We'll conclude tonight with Zechariah. Turn with me to Zechariah. Go to Malachi, make a left-hand turn, a couple books, you'll find it. Zechariah. chapter 8, and verse 3. Sure love y'all. Hallelujah. (laughs) Zechariah 8, and verse 3. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion, I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, then Jerusalem will be called the city of If you're involved in sales, please don't speak evangelistically. From my own experience, I know it must be difficult, there's perilous times, but for men and women that are in the sales world or the business world out there, you're confronted with so many half-truths. You're confronted with times to squeeze the numbers. Come on, and make it happen. Come on, folks. There's so much deception out there that we can shine forth. as true. I know that when I was in sales and we had a line of products, um, large business machines, very expensive business machines, and uh, I would literally, I got so tired of the hype and the sales and all the false lies what these machines could do and they couldn't do that I I was a new believer. I eventually would go into people's offices and I'd sit down with the business manager or the owner of the company. I'd say, sir, I'm going to be honest with you. I would say, you know, the Bible talks about love your your neighbor or I'll say, because you understand this, the golden rule. Do unto others as you have to do in yourself, okay? I'd say, we have a line of 15 machines here. Only three of them are worth your money. If my sales manager heard me that, he'd kick me out as quick as, you know what I'm saying? I'd say, you only want these three. The other ones have mechanical problems. We have too much fixing them. He goes, man, I like that truth. Show me which one. Sign, show me where to sign. In one year, I led the entire company in sales. Oh, come on, folks. Hallelujah. Because I refuse to do anything I, that I wouldn't do to myself, also. You know how many employ, employers are looking for employees that will, will not take home paper clips and letterhead? Come on. And spend time on the internet when they should be working? Come on. You know how many people are looking for honest employees? Amen? Come on, folks. Come on, smile, okay? That's why Joseph was promoted. He was a man of truth and integrity. Come on, folks. It may hurt you in the short term. Like he, Potiphar, he got kicked out of Potiphar's house because his wife was an adulterer. I'm convinced that as we walk in this hyper-truth, ooh, glory to God, this mega-truth, this ultimate love of the truth. Remember those who do not love the truth fall away. We have to love honesty. Love the speed limit. When people say to you, you know, I want this, oh, yeah, I know all about that. You don't know about that. You're just saying that and you continue the conversation. That's yes, yes. I was driving to Toronto to preach up there um, <laughs> a while back and. It was early in the morning driving through upstate New York, and I was just totally blitzed in the Holy Ghost. I love the early morning drinking. Hallelujah. 8 a.m., all my way up, going through the Catskill Mountains. Beautiful. And I was listening to a, 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 you know, take me away. Hallelujah. And I'm just out there. Nobody on the highway. I'm just driving, you know. and, uh, And I suddenly had this, like, this mini vision of this highway patrolman pulling, going across the meeting and pulling me over. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for warning me. So I shut her down, you know. And then the next psalm came on. If you're in the river, then swim, swim. <laughs> and I'm just in there, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm, doing, you know, 76 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, I see a highway patrolman come. It's like it's like deja vu, Holy Ghost deja vu. <gasps> oh, no. He pulls me over, walks over early in the morning, you know, puts up his belt. Kind of rough, you know. sits behind me, my shoulder like that in case I have a gun. You, you see, you know, isn't it sad that our policemen have to be so protective, that people are so dishonest? And I am looking over and say, where are you going, young man? Ah, uh, He says, you know you're doing 75 miles an hour. I said, no, sir, I was doing 76. He goes, by golly. (laughs) And he said, I like that honesty. He goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm a minister, you know, and I was just praising God, and I shut her back down, but then his next song came on. He goes, oh, I do the same thing all the time. He goes, I wish more people were like, honest, you, we would, I wouldn't have a job. It's okay. Hallelujah. So we got talking. He goes, well, where are you going? I said, Troy. let me show you the best, fastest way. And we I'll see you later. Okay, i see you later. It was, I mean, it was like, it was so cool. I came out of Montreal uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And, uh, uh, of course, you know, praise God, uh, the kids always want a little gifts, So, uh, you know, buy them some gifts, you know, and I'm coming out. And I'll eat one of some things that we get up here. So, exchange rate, whatever. So we, I'm coming to the, you fill out this thing that certifies, you know, how much you bring into the country, you know, pay duty on. even $400 limit, okay? So I say like 500 600 whatever it was. And so I come up with the custom agents, and I I've always notice in the line, you know, going into Canada or going into America, everybody's kind of nervous. I wonder how many people there would pass the lie detector test. So I just walk up? Hallelujah. And I turn it over. And I say, oh, before you say anything, sir, uh, I just want you to know I'm an American citizen, and I have spent, you know, money over my duty limit, and I want you to look through my suitcase and check it out so I can pay my, my tax. He goes, man, I like that. Come on. Hallelujah. Another believer. He goes, you know, you know, I believe you. Go ahead and go through the line. Said, and they're like, become best buddies. You know, I wish more people were like you. You know, I wouldn't have a job. You know what I mean? Come on, folks. Come on. I'm just now starting to get my feet wet with this thing. Now, notice that it's talking about the city of truth here in Zechariah 8. Talking about speaking truth to one another. Look at the end of chapter 8. It's the most awesome verse for evangelism we have yet to fathom. Verse 22. So many people and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days ten men will from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew saying, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. Why is God with them? Because it's a city of truth and they're speaking truth to one another. Lord, I deliver what you put on my heart tonight. Hallelujah. I thank you for the spirit of truth and honesty. We worship you. We praise you tonight. Hallelujah. And we thank you for it. Oh, Lord, Lord, let this ring across our bow, Father God, a warning shot to love you, oh, to love truth, to love honesty, hallelujah. Because truth is one of the checkpoints up the mountain of God, hallelujah. Who shall ascend the mountain of God? He who speaks truth in his heart with his neighbor, hallelujah. Who hates unjust gain, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The truth sets us free i like to put on a prophecy tape. Some of you have not heard it yet. If you have heard it, it's great to hear it again. I want to put on a, a tape, and I'll mention this testimony again. When Dalit and I began to preach this message, we were with a dear brother named Floyd who travels with Steve Hill and does the worship for, 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 uh times for Steve Hill's meetings. And he was in one of the meetings, and uh, he, he was doing the worship. He heard a message like this, and he got on the piano, and I just looked at him and I said, Just do whatever God tells you to do. And he began to prophesy. And you can literally feel the fear of God and the separation in your heart for God. It's it, I love this prophecy. Hallelujah! We've had over 500,000 hits on our website. People coming just, just soaking in this word and the sound of the shofar. Hallelujah! Uh, I did a study also why there are peop- so many people are bl- blowing shofars now. So many people are being led to buy shofars. The reason why in the Old Testament, the last thing that God did as a sign to the people before judgment came was that people began to blow the trumpets so we definitely are in that mix right now and uh, we first heard this prophecy and Deli and I were stunned by it, we felt totally like we went through a CAT scan God searched every little part of our heart we'll put it on in just a moment and then uh, those who have not heard, this is a real exciting miracle but um, we were in uh, Montreal at an English speaking church and we were praying for the folks and there was a man in a wheelchair over there in the corner and he was an Israeli, he was a uh, you know, hardened Israeli secular engineer, he told us that later that he was in the six-day war in a very you know uh, dangerous unit, and he heard a voice, a voice from heaven spoke to him and says, "Leave your unit right now, and get back home." And he was miraculously spared by God. hallelujah without being killed during the war and uh, he said that um, since a little boy he's been wanting to hear the sound of the shofar again but the problem is it's hard for him to get around because he has this genetic disease which killed his mother it's a genetic disease that destroys your nerve endings and slowly he, to, he was wasting away the last 25 years in a wheelchair and he was in such pain he could not walk with this genetic disease that he used to you know hit syringes full of morphine into his leg just to go to sleep at night that's so much pain for 25 years slowly wasting away and I just thought, this is an impossible situation I didn't even think about healing I just thought about well let's at least get the guy saved and so he goes, I just want to hear the sound of the shofar. I want to hear the fear of God. Ooh. Didn't think anything about it. We prayed for him. I didn't feel any anointing, folks. Walked away. Came back the next night to start the service. He walks in. That wasn't our response the first few minutes. I'll come back and say, ah, you'll see what happened to you? And he stood up. And everyone went, oh. And then we went, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he shared. He says that he went home that night. And for the first time in 25 years, he could walk. He came to the service. He was like a little boy, shining, glowing. And I said, Lord, what was it? He was playing this prophecy. Hallelujah. It wasn't just us laying hands and pulling the shofar of him. It's when he heard this prophecy, he, made it, he did something inside. And God healed him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I mean, first Sunday night we played this, we saw God was touching some people up here. So when this comes on, just hear, I believe it's a fresh word of the Lord. And after this prophecy, after you hear Dalid screaming and people getting delivered, hallelujah. Glory to God. I want the worship team to come up. Hallelujah. We're just going to pray for you. I'm just going to pray that the true serum gets inside you. Amen. Glory to God. Go ahead. Let's all stand up as we hear the word of the Lord tonight. Ho! Hear the
2: word of the Lord. Even in this hour and in this time have I come. And this is what the Spirit of the Lord said to those who would hear my word. As water that is poured upon all cannot mix so there comes a separation hear the word of the Lord to the church so shall I bring a separation of those who are passionate for me and those who are not no longer saith the Lord Will you not be able to tell those who are red-hot from those who are cold for I shall draw a distinction in my house and my passion would terrify you said the Lord it will be a holy terror upon you for it would drive you into things that you know not of and you have not seen My passion, saith the Lord, would drive you to do things that you have never thought you will ever be able to do. But yea, you shall find freedom that you never have known before, saith the Lord. For I shall throw off the restraints from my people. I, saith the Lord, would draw the line. And I will call those to step over the line. Those who would say, I am ready to give everything, even my life, for this king. And I shall recapture the earth, saith the Lord, and I will send forth my glory through it. But I will not do it by those who do not know me. And I will say unto my people, no longer will I have you call me Lord, and do not obey me. For the Spirit of the Lord says to those who would hear the voice of the Lord, If you would even now call out to me, will I not rescue you from lukewarmness? Will I not break off the shackles that have held you? When you said, Lord, forgive me, and yet you return back to the very thing that held you and bonded. But I said to the Lord, no more shall that day be to my people. No more, no more, no more will you repent and return back to the vomit. For I say I will have those that are red hot for me, and I will make you hot. You cannot do it, saith the Lord. I will despise your programs, and I will turn away from the very things that you do with your own hand. But if you heed my voice and listen to my command, I will blow my breath upon those things that my spirit is leading you to do, and you will soar with me. For the Spirit of the Lord says the countdown has begun. Do you not know and have you not understood that I am calling for a people to make them ready, 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 ready for my return? Ready. have you not understood that I am the Lord thy God and I sat upon the circle of the earth and I do as I please for the hour belongs to me saith the Lord this hour is mine and what I'm about to do saith the Lord will cause many to run away from me but I will pursue them with a holy passion, but if you continue to run and you do not pursue me as I will pursue you, then I would say to you, choose who you will serve, it will be your choice. But for those who delight in me I shall bring you to the mountain of God and you shall see my glory. And not only shall you see my glory but my glory shall be seen upon you and men will say tell me about this God tell me about the Lord for I see his glory upon you. No more will you call upon me and I will not answer. But I say there should be a separation. You decide. You decide. For I knock, I knock, I knock. Church will you hear me? I knock. Am I not a terrible God? to be feared and honored I knock I knock Who will hear? Who will obey? For know ye not that I said even when I was on the earth that I must be about my father's business and I say unto you tonight I am about my father's business This is not a game and you're running out of time. But he that hear my voice and heed my command, I shall make you a pillow and my temple and you shall see my glory. And the fragrance of my glory will rest on you. It will be as different as night and day those who know me and those who know of me will you know me how will you respond
3: Some of you here just said the prayer of salvation but you don't live for him at all and you don't obey what he says to you jesus said why do you say lord to me and you do not do what i say and at that day he would say to you i never knew you depart from me you willfully transgressed against me just come before him and run because where the Spirit of the Lord is for Jesus is your Lord and not just your Savior there is liberty there is liberty from sin there is liberty from cigarettes
4: there is liberty from wine and drinking there is
3: liberty from sickness there is liberty from disease there is liberty there is liberty where the Lord is your Lord and not just your savior. So run to the Lord. Run to the Lord right now. Run to the Lord. Take him where he is near. Call him Lord. And I mean it. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus when we believe in our heart we will confess it with our mouth when we believe that he's our Lord we will confess him with our mouth Oh Father forgive us forgive us forgive us forgive us Lord put a burning desire in our hearts tonight Lord so you can anoint us with the oil of joy Lord the joy the joy that sets people free Lord thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus for the spirit of the Lord the spirit of the Lord Support you
4: to set the captives free, to proclaim liberty.
0: Spirit of God's been convicting you tonight. You need to come to the altar. We're going to pray for you. We're going to serve you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come. Those who are thirsty for truth, come. Come. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming, running home to you now. In your name I pray, amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America.